Battle Line podcast, and if you're listening to this the day that it's released, it is July 4th, the 4th yeah, of July, Independence is. Day. Uh, I hope that you're enjoying your 4th of July, even if you're here listening to us, that you're out barbecuing and having fun with friends and all that yeah. other good stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, listen to it in the morning or drink some Tonto vodka while you're listening to it. So every time we say, should we do a keyword or something, if we say... I, I I can't remember. There you, you say brother a lot. If brother. If we, every time I say brother, have a drink. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Man. the first one I would think of because you you even said you're like I'm I'm like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I do. I like oh, brother. Brother, I do. I say it eight million times. Okay, every time I say brother, you have to take a drink of Tonto vodka. There you go. There we go. Awesome. Well, uh, with that, like I said, hope you guys are enjoying your fourth. And I have to say, going a little bit off script here, I'm so glad that we're sponsored by. Uh, yeah. Companies in the supplement industry who truly do have uh, full transparency because I follow a lot of stuff in the supplement industry on YouTube and uh, I've seen in the past few weeks there's been this controversy among the supplement is- industry with this uh, supplement called Terkesterone and basically a lot of companies are putting this out and they don't do any lab testing and uh, actually this company called Nootropics Depot did their own independent lab testing and they found out a lot of these big influencers selling this stuff saying it's great it works that it's barely in there that and so i'm just so glad we're working with companies like ned who actually make sure that their products are what they say they are and have like a great relationship with their with uh actually their one grower of of hemp yeah so uh yeah ned has definitely become a part of my daily ritual really my nightly ritual because i fall asleep after taking it quite honestly i I can't do the daytime like some people but a ritual is a daily practice that helps you stay grounded it's an intentional act where you take a few minutes to reconnect with and take care of yourself daily routines are mundane and make you feel stuck in a rut daily rituals are meaningful and help you become the person you want to be Transforming your life can be as simple as bringing more attention to the things you do every day. So as they say here, get present, uh, slow down and check in with your five senses. Think positive, take a deep breath and say affirmations and then connect with your North Star smile and think about what really matters. These products, as I said, are science backed. They're nature based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. Ned's CBD is cold extracted from the world's purest USDA-certified organic hemp in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, And yeah, that really is it. I mean, uh, their products have 2,000 five-star reviews, and we've both used them now for years now. And and that's another thing, at least on this podcast, that we don't push anything that that we don't use and haven't used now, gosh, now going on a a couple of years for both Ned and then also- Yeah, also with with Bubs Naturals as well. So I, I we both we both pr- promote the product because it works and the anti-inflammatory prop, uh, you know, the uh, anti-inflammatory um, properties. benefits properties that you get from it are, are tremendous and and anti-anxiety for anybody that suffers from post-traumatic stress it, it tremendous it works tremendous. I I use it every day and then the new stuff that came out the the bomb the new the new uh sore muscle bomb what's that man i even got it up there on the on the shelf just it just all works and i'm in testament to it i just got done training at the range for two hours running hills for two hours and shooting i couldn't do that at 51 if i didn't have if i didn't have ned and the way it's helped me just handle with my ulcerative colitis and also just the inflammation inflammation in my joints that's gone away absolutely tremendous stuff 
Perfect. Yeah, check it out, guys. Go to helloned.com slash battleline or enter the code battleline at checkout. And if you're a new customer, you're going to get 15% yeah. off. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash battleline for 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Also on this show, as we were just talking about, Bub's Naturals, the best collagen protein out there, apple cider vinegar gummies, MCT oil powder, and once again, full transparency with them, single sourced, no blending of ingredients, and it's something that both of us use after our workouts yeah. and uh, and every day. And the, the MCT oil as a pre-workout, guys, it is awesome. Get you get you going, get you get you motivated. If you're not already motivated, get to the gym or do whatever you're doing, go for a run. And it tastes good. It's honestly better than any powdered creamer you're going to throw in your coffee. I'm drinking it right now, drinking also the, the collagen protein and the MCT oil. Um, so, guys, Bubs is tremendous. Another company that we've been for two years, both of us have been using for two years. And we've seen the benefits with no negative side effects from either Ned or Bubs. And honestly, it's the only thing being an inflammatory bowel disease haver for years. It's the only protein or any supplement I've ever been able to take that has not upset my stomach. And it's just, it, it's tremendous, man. And then also giving back to Glendora Memorial Foundation. That's just the icing on the cake. Absolutely. Check it out, guys. And, and yeah, as for me, I've actually been using it for way more because I met Sean That's many right, years yeah. ago at this point. So I've, I've been using it uh, the entire time, even before they were a sponsor of this show. It's something I believe in, regardless of if they continue as a sponsor, I'm going to use it. So BubsNaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off. BubsNaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on. Battleline podcast got plenty of stuff to get into before we get to John Keys from Guns Out TV, a guy that both of us got to spend plenty of time with uh, just a couple of months ago. But before we get into that, this is a big article, and I'm sure uh, you know people want to hear your opinion on it. And that is, of course, Army eases <laughs> tattoo restrictions with new policy. And uh, I mean, needless to say, the reason they're doing this though is that they're suffering from uh, low recruitment. I brought, that has nothing to do with recruitment. You got, I, I, oh my goodness. I, you know, I, when you're putting critical race theory and you're doing all the wokeness into the military, 
you're going to see it suffer. I, I, I'm sorry, the tattoo has nothing to do with it. Now, I'm not a big proponent of having tattoos before you go in. I, all the tattoos that I've gotten have been when I was in because they met. And, and I mean, you don't have anything that you can that really, this under is any the only thing that you can really see. But I do have a lot of tattoos all over. Yeah, me. But you don't have hands. You don't you're have right. Neck, you're right. And, and that's and, what they're saying. So. And, and uh, that, that's that's not why you're suffering as far as recruiting goes. And big army and whoever the army recruiting commit guys figure it out. All right. We we embrace diversity before we even before all this wokeness came in, we had none of that in there because we didn't need it. When you came in the military, you were a ranger, you were a soldier, you were a SEAL. We didn't care if you were black, white, yellow, green. It makes no difference. But now that they put that to the forefront, uh, yeah, that's why it's suffering. That's why it's suffering you're, you're because of all your all your wokeness going on. These tattoos have nothing to do with it. So, I, you know, I don't have a problem with people having tattoos. Yes, gang-related tattoos Facial tattoos, I mean, you're going a little overboard, a little narcissistic there, guys, for that one. But uh, honestly, guys, I, I do believe if you're a youngster going in that you really uh, get your tattoos when you're there, when they mean something. Every tattoo that I have was I got after I accomplished something, whether it was ranger school, whether it was go, getting out of Kandahar, which is that big one on my back, whether it was. Wait, can I can I jump in? So yeah, am I yeah. an idiot for having a Dr. Feelgood tattoo? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're joining the military, man, no, but, but that's, it meant something to oh, yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of these, what does that mean? I, I, a tattoo on your neck. I, I, I mean, if, I, all I'm saying is, 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 uh, is if you are joining the military, you know, get it when you're there. I get, I mean, that's, it, that's what all these tattoos, this one meant something after I left Mosul, I was like, man, I, that, I, that was, that was in hairy little, I need something. There. And the cross meant something to me. And then this, when my kids were born, why I was in the military, are you, you, know, you going to take your shirt off? No, I'm not, no, I'm, do I look, viewership? Come on. Do, do I look like Rudy Reyes or Matt Best? No, I don't do that. Come on, not anymore. I, I, so hold on a second. I, hey, I got to, yeah, do yeah. your thing. Do your thing. Because I'm going to give – I this is fine, man. I'm going to give a different perspective on this, and, and you'll be able to jump in here as you All right. Hold on. Hold on. But I, I got to go grab a little. Yeah, look, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk. So I, I would probably say I have a little bit of a different perspective than Chris, but you got to keep in mind I also uh, have never served. And I think that what he's saying, that it may be a factor into why they're seeing low recruitment. But what I think – is look at the amount of guys that we've interviewed on this podcast. And there's there's a ton of guys who said, and GWAT veterans in particular, right? And OIF, Operation Iraqi Freedom veterans, who said, yeah, I saw the towers come down on 9-11, either in New York or I watched it on TV. And at that moment, they said, I'm jumping in here. I feel the need to serve my country and by the way, I hear Chris in the background of the sun. But I, I think that there, there was a real uh, need for guys to go out there and serve their country during this time. So I think that's why a lot of guys decided to jump in there and serve during the war on terror. Uh, and I don't think you're going to see. I'm, I'm in the middle of talking here. I mean, we could, we could actually put it in there. I actually, had to... as I'm talking, you have to start yelling. I'm <laughs> trying to fill space here, dude. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. He had my, my little boy, I had to wipe it's his fine. I, had to wipe I, his I think people are listening to my points here. So I'll, I'll reiterate what I'm saying. I do have a different perspective than you on this. I think, I think what you say is a factor. But as I was saying, and as the audience heard, I, I think the number one reason you're seeing low recruitment, and look, this has come from, come from someone who didn't serve, but I do have a perspective from the amount of guys you and I have interviewed. And I said, 
how many OIF veterans and GWAT veterans have we interviewed? And we said, what made you join? They said, I saw those towers fall down, either watching on TV or they lived in New York. And they said, I went to the nearest recruitment station and I wanted to serve my country. There's no real event happening right now. I don't think guys are going, what's happening in Ukraine? I got to go serve. There's just not an event. And also, a lot of guys have come back from Iraq and Afghanistan. Guys we've had on this show in particular. I know John Burke has said it. I know Adam Kokesh has said it. And they feel like we were there for a while. We, we, there were no uh, weapons of mass destruction that were found. And this patriotism that they felt is, is kind of not there on that sense of feeling like we needed to be there. Because you've said it yourself, like in Benghazi, we destabilized the country. The country's in worse shape now. And I think and that, that and we that happened a lot. I looking back in all the countries I've been to, I mean, that was that's what I mean. Thing, yeah. I, I think because uh, I remember 2001, 2002, there was just this strong feeling among the country of we got to get in there, and you do not have that anymore. And I think more guys are like, What am I serving? For? Well, I, I joined, you know, I joined during peacetime, so I have a kind of a view of that when guys were joining, and we didn't have a recruiting issue then. You hit the nail on the head though when you said patriotism there isn't strong patriotism anymore. And that has something to say because of the military leadership, not facilitating patriotism and unity there as much as they'd like this out unity, critical race theory, wokeness do not promote unity. You're looking at one area that you think is being shunned, which again, in the military, I have served with all ethnicities. I've served with all colors. I've, and, that's the biggest thing when you go into basic training it's why they shave your head it's why they treat everybody you are everybody like a piece of shit you doesn't matter who you are you're all a piece of shit it's because they're trying to break of all that work they don't want any of that in there they want you are now a soldier you are now you are and the patriotism is part of that it's like hey we're serving our country for everyone and that's not there either. But so I, the wars, I, I, I agree with you on the wars because I did join it during that time as well. But I also understand that when I did join, when it was during the peacetime in 95, yeah. that we didn't have any problems with recruiting then because there was that sense of patriotism still that we were serving our country, whether we're going to war or not. So, But, but could there be people right now? Because I think there could be people. And by the way, people probably can say the vaccine, that that may have to do with it. But then there, there, I think there's probably people saying, if I join, there's a possibility I may go over to Ukraine. And do I really believe in this? And believe, I mean, some of that. And that has a lot to do with leadership up in the top and foreign policy. And, it, and that's terrible right now, which, again, we have terrible leadership. We have terrible people in charge of the military. They're doing these silly rules with, with tattoos. Who, who gives a crap? Honestly, unless it's gang related, which it's always been that way. That if you had anything gang related, you weren't going to be able to get. Yeah, this but now it's gang. less restrictive. So well, it's... so now we want. Well, I'm not going to say that we didn't have gangsters in the military either during my. We did. There, that's sometimes there was the option from the judge. You go to jail, you go to the army. Yeah, remember? I, I don't. People remember those good old days, but that kind of worked at times. Um, and sometimes that's what you need, guys, to get on the right track. But that being said, bro, I I, I really do feel when we we do agree on this that the patriotism isn't there and if it takes a war where we're attacked to bring that patriotism up well you know that's how it is that's so be it. i guess that's a method that's a way to get people to join but i, I don't think that's what we want to rely on we want to yeah. bring back unity in the military which was the old school way of doing thing which you didn't mean shit. nobody did when you joined and then based off performance 
that's when you started to move up in the ranks. And it's not because of what color you were, religion. It had no. It was how are you doing today as far as performance, not in, just individual performance, but as a leader and as a team member. And we don't see that. It's, that's not there. I mean, you, you we could have talked about today because a big article about critical race theory at West Point. Again, why do you think you're not meeting your numbers, idiots? Because you're promoting all this and this does not promote unity. This does not promote great diversity. We already had that in the military. This promotes political, political endeavors and political politics. And I'm sorry to say, I know people in D.C. think we're a bunch of idiots. We're not. People see that. And I, bro, I, I agree. I do agree with you at this point, though. And know, I agree with your point too. I just think I think my, my point was there's another big factor. And there, no, you're right. No, you're right. Wars. You're right. And I just hate to. I would hate to rely on us getting attacked to bring the recruiting numbers up or having. But are we at that point that that's what's going to take? And that's not a good answer either. But but is it a possibility yeah it is a possibility but i'm I'm with you on the ukraine either i'm not people that ask me if i should join i get asked a lot i do i get letters i get emails hey my son wants to join what should i tell him hey my son's in the morale is terrible i just got a letter from two weeks ago the morale is terrible in all this wokeness my son is having an issues now if he should even join what do you tell them well the people that are going in i still tell them that want to join in fact i'm working with two kids here in fort scott right now one wants to go to West Point. The other one wants to join Option 40 and be a Ranger. And I'm telling them, it's still the most honorable thing you can do. It's And it's a great it's a great life-changing experience. It is. Um, I said, you just have to be wary of all the politics that are part of it and just push that away. Just work on your team, work on your skill set. And you are doing this for your country, but you're doing it for that team, your brotherhood, your unit. I said, that's what you got to focus on. And the people that are already in and they're asking, hey, what do I do? I just, you know what? This is the great time if you're in to excel because why all your, all these people over here are complaining how they're not being fairly treated because of race, ethnicity, so forth. Do what we used to do in the past. We turned it off and we just worked harder. I went and trained more. I focused more on leadership. I studied more. All that bullshit while they're doing that, I'm out there getting better. And that's what I tell people. That's why I tell these kids now. It's like, don't worry about it. Let those people complain. You just yeah. focus on your task. So when your commander says, hey, I need somebody to do this mission, I'm using that guy or I'm using that girl. Again, guy is a gender neutral term on Battleline podcast. We've said eight million times. But brother, I, as far as recruiting goes, until they get back to that, just for the military. And I, I still I love that Air Force commercial. That was awesome where you've got the Air Force commanding general of the Air Force, and he's African-American, and, it, you know, who gives a shit? He just says, hey, I'm not, doesn't matter if I'm black, white, yellow, whatever. He goes, I'm an American airman coming to kick your ass. That's that's how it used to be, and that's how the recruiting needs to get back to to fill those slots. Or, like you said, have another war. <laughs> Which I'm obviously not advocating yeah, for. Of course you're but not. I, but yeah. I also just think a lot of people, there has to be the purpose there, and – and actually, it wouldn't help if we got into another war, if this war is the war with Russia and Ukraine, because let, my point is people would be way yeah. more motivated to join after the towers are hit as opposed to what's going on over there. Just I think no, if you get a popular opinion, that's how people would feel. I'll also steal something Rob O'Neill said because I thought it was funny and I saw it was going like around was 
that you know in the navy at least for him you don't really need pronouns it's just everybody shipmate it doesn't matter if you're a man woman whatever you are um but i, I want to yeah. make sure we hit this as yeah, well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're gonna right. have to get to john and i don't want to not mention this so the last surviving world war ii medal of honor recipient has died at the age of 98 herschel w woody williams the last remaining medal of honor recipient from world war ii died on wednesday he was 98 Williams Foundation announced on Twitter and Facebook that he died at the Veteran Affairs Medical Center, bearing his name in Huntington. As a young Marine corporal, Williams went ahead of his unit during the Battle of Iwo Jima in the Pacific Ocean in February 1945 and eliminated a series of Japanese machine gun positions. Uh, and it, this goes on and on. Yeah, and we have limited right. time because we got to get to John. But I wanted to at least mention that because, man, we are losing so many of these guys. And I'm guessing... You know, your youngest kid has probably not met a World War II veteran and never will because we're losing Medal yeah. of Honor recipients like Woody. Well, that's why these stories are important. That's why the articles are important. That's why those the books about their, the greatest generation in World War II and the Battle of the Stone and, and also, you know, Normandy Beach landings. That's why that is so important to, to have out there so so our kids and, and can read about it and read about the greatest generation, which I still honestly believe they were by far, you know, and if they talk about patriotism. I mean, this kind of flows into that talk, the most patriotic, I think, generation of, uh, of American history. I mean, there's an argument with, of course, the revolutionary war <laughs> and fighting the British, but I, those guys were amazing and they did more with less. That's what was so awesome. Yeah. And it was just, Hey, you got to get it done. Go get it done. And may, I'm sure there was bitching behind the scenes because that's what you do. You, you bitch with your buddies. I, I can't think of one time being at Ranger Regiment or being at 19 Special Forces or even being a contractor, getting an op and saying, well, you even see it in 13 hours. How many, I, I did that all the time. Oh, we got an op we got to do right now. Oh, this sucks. But when it came down to it, we got it done. And where did we learn that from? It was from guys like that. It's like, Shit, I'm playing. I'm gonna play Halo, right? I'm playing Call of Duty, drinking a pop, and I gotta fucking go on a mission <laughs> tonight. These guys were, you know, <laughs> out in the Pacific or out in the Atlantic or landing on a beach, getting shelled at, and yeah. maybe they bitched, but they did it anyway. I, I those yeah. guys were amazing, man. They and kudos to him. I God bless him. I know he's gonna go straight to heaven without any questions asked. He's he's gonna be in there, and those guys deserve all the respect that that they that we can give them and even more. So, man. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I saw one of our guests, Dave Bray, got to take a picture with him. That was cool. pretty cool. So you check that out on Instagram at Dave Bray USA. Uh, with that, Fort Scott Munitions, actually at Fort Scott is where we met John Keyes. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll talk about that copper ticket giveaway. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with every pull of the trigger, Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. You just got to go to the dealer locator on the website and type in your zip code. You're going to find somewhere by you. 
Uh, you're pointing at it right there. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, I still use this as the uh, the mouse pad. Oh, I love that yeah. thing. Yeah, the it works just as well as a as a cleaning pad <laughs> or the mouse pad. And it's yeah. a giant mouse pad for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and you could the, the website is so easy to to get now. So it's just fsm.com. It's as simple as that. You don't even have to spell munitions. Fsm.com. Use the exclusive promo code Battleline, and you're gonna get fifteen percent off your order. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. So fsm.com, promo code Battleline. Fort Scott is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline podcast. Also, you could find there Photonish Defense. And originally, yeah. I believe you were able to use that promo code to get 15% off. And then I sent it to Ryan. I was like, wow, this is an awesome discount. And he's like, hold up. I don't I don't think that's supposed to be there. Well, so. you, you see, see Phil Otto, who works at Photonish Defense, yeah. and he's like, wow, that is a great deal. I mean, chicken. But, you know, I, I, I and also, I, I don't know. Can they not do that now? I, don't, I think, they can, I think I think you could use the promo code and you're going to get something off, but I don't think it's 15%. Yeah, because yeah, 15%, lot, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Off thousands yeah, of because, dollars night vision. Yeah. Yeah, because Photonist Defense, look, it is a more expensive product, but it's a high-quality product that's life or death in those scenarios that were really, this is what you're going to want to use. So yeah. now you can have the superpower to see in the dark with the Viper Binocular Night Vision yeah. System wow. by Photonist Defense, which is the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high-quality night vision capabilities than anyone. Military, law enforcement, and public safety end users utilize photonist defense solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. Hunters, shooters, boaters, and enthusiasts can rely on the photonist defense yeah. Viper binocular to help them master the darkness, which is their trademark. They've trademarked master the darkness, yeah. which is a it's a cool slogan there. The new Viper binocular system carries the same features and benefits as the Photonist Defense Viper Monocular with a ruggedized body and harnesses the power of the Echo Intensifier tubes, giving you sharper images, reduced halo, and industry-leading ultra-fast auto-gating across the range of dynamic operating conditions. This is something you use all the well, time. And what that means, it just means that you can actually see better in the dark than with any other night vision out there. And you and I both did the little test at, at yeah. SHOT Show and it, it literally is night and day, guys. The, the stuff is the best, best in the world. I, there's nothing comparable to Photonist Defense. So if you're military or you're in the purchasing department within your law enforcement or guys, you, you got to switch to this stuff. You're giving your team the best chance for success. And that means coming home alive. So guys, you, you're, you're, you're really missing the boat if you're not looking at Photonist Defense. And if you're a hunter and a very avid hunter, especially hog hunting at night, and coyote hunting at night, there's nothing better out there. If you just ask, I mean, just ask the guys at Fort Scott Munitions. That's what they use theirs for, is for hunting. And it's a 100-yard sniper. Ryan Kraft will post stuff on that, every, and you'll see you'll see the difference. So it's tremendous stuff. You can't go wrong with it, guys. Photonist Defense, best night vision in the business by far. Yep. Yeah, so it's uh, photonistdefense.com. They're also finally on Instagram. You can follow them on Instagram. Finally. Uh, phot yeah. <laughs> photonistdefense.com for more information or look for Photonist Defense product op options from your night vision dealer. Just to spell it out for you guys just listening, uh, P-H-O-T-O-N-I-S defense.com, photonistdefense.com. Oh, <laughs>
I mean, and you do have a good setup, but, but actually, before I enter you, yeah, Chris was asking. He's like, "How come Sure Michael?" Yeah, what, is Sure Michael doing another recording today? Is are, is he gonna is he on the channel that shall not be named? The channel right that shall not be named about the stuff <laughs> that's going on in the past few weeks. Are, are there still? That's what I think. Yeah, are you, are you kidding me? You know what? I'd love to put. You know, there's that picture of of when we got attacked of the Ansal Sharia fighter in the white T-shirt holding AK-47. And went after after they took over the consulate uh, and putting the guy for the January sixth in the horns, you know, the, the idiot, <laughs> yeah, and say, "Hey, really? Who 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 really got attacked? Should and should be complaining about being left behind? That and I'm putting that guy there with the AK-47, oh, with the ambassador's villa in the background burning, <laughs> and that guy standing at the podium with his little. I, if I should we a, keep should we keep this in here? By the way, I, is dude, it, do definitely. That is funny. Keep. Yeah, you go ahead. All right, we're keeping it in. So, I mean, bro, so and if you're, I was, hearing, you're hearing a little behind the scenes before I give an intro. What were you saying? Because and if I if I was any good at building any of that shit, I I do it myself. I just suck at all that technology. But I was like, man, that would be perfect because <laughs> that was a very iconic scene oh. during the Benghazi attack, right? With, with, the, with the and it's actually in the book. I, they put it in there. Third, but then and then the iconic with the. With the idiot yeah. that has the, yeah, the like, insurrectionist. The insurrect. Uh, like, <laughs> so maybe one of the, if I can find somebody that can do it for me, I'll ask I, Jeremy Mitchell. We'll ask Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah, the yeah. smartest. Dude, you can find smartest red fiber. You'll find somebody. Else. Fiber. We'll find somebody. That's true. Our our intro was done on Fiverr, and the intro came. See, out. Well, yeah. dude, Fiverr is the best kept secret in the world, man. I'm just telling you right now. You can get. You can pay for anything on Fiverr. I think. No shit. Yeah, there's no, it's like Fiverr and OnlyFans. Those two places you could pretty much pay for anything. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm learning. See, I'm still learning. Actually, Ian, you got this. I don't want to learn any more stuff. I'm too old to be learning stuff. Just mm. I'll let somebody else do it. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people are in learning overload right now, man, because we just have too much information readily available yeah. 24-7. <laughs> a lot of it is not for our the greater good anyway, so it's just like yeah. information overload. Not true. I agree. Well, I'm, I'm going to give John an actual intro. Yeah, okay. You sorry, know, sorry. Listen so that Cheers. people at least know what we're talking about and who we're talking to. So John Keyes was actually at, I have it right here, the Copper Ticket event. I got the Copper Ticket right oh, yeah. there. Yeah, I got mine somewhere. And um, yeah, John is the co-owner and co-host of Guns Out TV with Sure Michael and is a Marine Corps veteran. Also, I learned just from your Instagram, you're also the owner of Express ball which is a high stake five frame interactive bowling oh, yeah. so maybe we'll get into that a little okay. bit oh, the, yeah. guns out tv the thing i'll say and and we'll you know we'll get into your backstory but i mean the production value yeah, is good. is incredible there's so many different gun channels on youtube um doing similar stuff as you but you guys really put a lot into your production and i think that's what stands out about it. oh well thank you uh we appreciate that and i mean i gotta be honest with you um i think it, it that being on tv in the very beginning gave us a really good start uh it, it it gave us our standard and even after getting taken off the air off tv we just didn't want to sacrifice the standard anymore because we kind of fell in love with that process fell in love with the results obviously because you can see it it garnered a lot of attention pretty quickly so so we just decided to keep that standard because we saw a lot of other you know uh content creators they, they do it in a more viral nature. And that's great. I mean, because I love to consume that type of content too. But how do you set yourself apart? And we thought that that was the perfect way to keep ourselves kind of set apart 
by keeping the standard for broadcast television. Now, since then, we've tweaked it and we've adopted a lot of other styles. But that obviously, that's just, you know, the content and the brand grows. Our experience grows. And we just try to capture all of that real time and then give the audience different looks. You know, we try, you know, you have, you have to do special things to keep people's attention these days. Well, yeah, we're, we're like we're like a cat playing with the mouse. You know, you, you get tired and you got to look over here at the light on the wall and get our attention over there. Now, you guys do an excellent job at it. really, really do. Thank you. I didn't know, you know, initially you were taking, can you before, do the backstory first before we start? Because I'm going to get I'm going to get away from that. Let's do that first. And then I did. I didn't know you guys were taking off the air and all that. I, I don't know that story. OK, and honestly, I'd love to hear about it. But. Before we do that, <laughs> you know, military, I talk, you know, this is a big military listening podcast. You okay. know, what, 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 give us, give us that growing up a bit, just so people know who you are, give us a little perspective and then why you joined the military and the Marine Corps and then experience in there. So yeah, yeah no, good. Great. Um, I, I haven't really, I don't really speak about that too much. Um, so whenever I get a chance to, I, I don't shy away from it, but yeah, I, I think the military was a very, it, it, it was a very pivotal part of my maturation as a young adult. I decided to leave the house. I, listen, I signed up for the delayed entry program yep. at 16. Yeah. So I yeah. knew I was going in the Marine Corps. I was in ROTC for four years in high school from a freshman to a senior. And I had reached the highest rank I could possibly reach in ROTC. Sure. I was the commander of the drill team. So I just really took to the discipline and organization aspect of the of what the military could offer. And I was from a small town, Opelousas, Louisiana. Um, I mean, there wasn't much to see. There wasn't really much to experience there. And I just knew that there was a great big world. And I, I had no idea how to conquer that. I mean, think about how overwhelming that can be for a 16-year-old. So sure. when the military offered, it was like, hey, man, free room and board. You get the best shape of your life and you could travel and see the world. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. You're hiring me to go on vacation. That's what it sounds like. But obviously, you know, we know what else came with that, right? Sure. So, yeah. And I don't blame my recruiter. I really don't blame my recruiter because I was low hanging fruit. I was like, I would have signed myself, you know? So, <laughs> so it was all good. So, so yeah, I joined the Marine Corps at 17. I like, actually went to boot camp at 17, turned 18 in boot camp. And just from there, uh, you know, I, I went to Marine Wing Support Squadron 273 in Beaufort, South Carolina. From there, I went to Okinawa, Japan, 3rd Marine Division. So I go wow. from a Wing Support Squadron to 3rd Marine Division, 3rd Mardiv, Okinawa, Japan. And that was a big change because it went from kind of like a laid back wing environment to, you know, hardcore. This is 3rd Marine Division. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're out there training in Hanson and Schwab and going on uh you know deployments and whatnot so it was it, it got very high octane like like really really quick and the did you i mean was, did you enjoy that trend i mean were you ready like hey this is what i signed up for when oh, you got there oh, or was oh, this or was it damn this sucks i want to go back to buford no no out. i actually enjoyed it i, I was i was fascinated by being overseas first and foremost i mean sure. i was absolutely. absolutely fascinated to know i was in another country um and so then when that wore off that's when i actually embraced the idea of being at such a, a notable unit, a notable yeah. uh, duty station. Um, and I just embraced everything that came with it. I was the Sergeant of the Guard during 9-11. 9-11 hit. It was actually a monsoon in the back. In, in, well, I lived on base housing at the time. And um, there was a monsoon. We were all, like, just bunkered in. Next thing you know, 
I was called to be the sergeant of the guard. So I literally had to get all my gear and then I'm at the headquarters. I'm hopping, I'm hopping in a Humvee. We're doing perimeter checks literally every hour. It was a 24 hour, 24 hour duty for the next, I don't know how many months. So after I came out of sergeant of the guard, I, for whatever reason, my OIC took interest in me and saw, I guess, potential. He wanted me to further pursue trying to be more proficient behind the firearm and become a sniper. He was like, he was like, John, I think you have the propensity to be a sniper. I think you can actually do it with the way that I see you exercise your fundamentals. I was an expert high shooter for the previous five years. So I've always loved shooting. Um, and it, it just came kind of natural to me. So literally right before I was getting ready to prep to go to sniper school on Hanson, I broke my leg in half. What Ooh. doing what? what playing, did you fall to Humvee? Were you football of all? Oh, were you? <laughs> I was playing football and broke my femur across the mid shaft. Had to get medevac out of wow. Okinawa, and I, and then I ended up here in Quantico. I ended up at Quantico. Okay. I, I'm just wondering, is this something you think about all the time? That like, if I didn't do this one thing differently, yeah. my life trajectory Absolutely. would have been entirely Absolutely. different. Absolutely. Absolutely, because there's so many other other things that happened after I arrived here to Quantico in the DC area, obviously I'm, I'm opened up and expanded to so much more opportunity, both on the military side and on the civilian side, because I mean, this place is just like crawling with opportunity. So, so when I get here, my mindset changed, but yes, oftentimes I think back to what would that have looked like had I actually went through with going to sniper school, would I still be in the Marine Corps? Sure. Would, would I have deployed more? Would who knows? Like the, the what ifs are absolutely endless because for in sure. that moment in time, I really was dedicated and ready to make that move. I was 23, 24 years old. So still impressionable. And when somebody offers you something and they think you're kind of badass, it's like, yeah, you're going to run with that. You know, that's, that's, that's all that 23, 24 year old testosterone talking at that point. <laughs> well, but, but that's, that's what you, that's what I love the military and the Marine Corps, especially if you're going in that sniper pipeline, it's performance based. So it's reaffirmation that, Hey man, I I'm doing, I'm kicking ass. It's I'm true. tearing it up it's true. and they're recognizing it, which, mm. That is still should be that in the military, which I believe it is in, in certain units. Mm -hmm. But that's what I loved about the military. It was always performance based. Yeah, it was never in, until you, until you became an officer, maybe down the line, getting you know 05, 06 areas. But when you're a young private or you're in the sergeant enlisted area, mm -hmm. if you get recognized like that, man, it's like holy shit! I'm okay. I'm kicking ass. Let's let's continue on. So when you broke your leg and and then went to Quantico. Um, What'd you do? What'd they have you doing? I, mean, I was what, working. What they... I was working as special purpose MAGTAP experimental. I what that, Okay. Tell me what that is. Exactly. <laughs> I still got the badge for that because it's just such a cool badge and nobody knows what that place is. Um, so it's uh, literally all of the experimental weapons that the Marine Corps was either developing or testing came. To so you got to test R&D? Your R&D, it's R&D. Basically R&D, right. Okay. Right. And the most, before you even ask, the most interesting firearm that I saw there was called the corner shot. Have you ever heard of the corner shot? The one, I remember that one where you could bend it. It, it was like a Glock. It was, it was a 9 was a Glock, Glock. Yep. But it had the build and it had a little flip so you could come around here. But the optics were set up that you could look down and, exactly. yeah, I remember that. It, it, what happened? You know what? It kind of just disappeared. It just, it I, just I, went away. Who knows what where, happened? Who knows where they're using the corner shot, sir? Is it was it worth it? I mean, I saw it and looked cool, but I mean, also it reminds me of of Wanted with Angelina Jolie and 
bended bullets and all that's like that can't be so can't be. so the thing is is it, it actually bent it bends the gun so the, it so, bends so, the gun so, yeah, yeah. so it's so it's in kind of like a I wouldn't even call it an AR platform housing. It was more like a one of those Ronies, you know, the the, the yeah. yeah, yeah, it was more like that but extended yeah. to the front obviously so that way when you put the front half of of that contraption out past the wall and you hit the button and then it flips so the whole gun goes to the side but then there's there's a camera looking through the optic and the camera right. is on the back end of that contraption so you're looking at the camera through the optic could you okay be honest I, I was it worth a shit did you shoot it at all was i didn't it accurate? shoot it i didn't shoot it, oh. it and and to be honest with you just the mechanics of it was strange to me because of just what i know about recoil right now yeah of course you yeah. know so how, I, how does that work when you have something stand out here and then it's going to do this and you have no, you have no you have no leverage where's your leverage yeah so, exactly. i want I, man i really wish I, I never got to shoot one of those but i do remember those mm -hmm. and that but I, I, I was wondering the same thing. Well, that's still, I mean, that's, that's cool. How'd you feel? And, and what was going through your head when you're there? I, you know, you're, you're nursing your leg. It sounds like you're, I mean, you're still in a pretty cool position. You yeah, know, no, yeah, you're not in Japan. I was, uh, without question. And I think it was, again, more about my maturation and evolution as a human being at that time, because okay. I was going through something that kind of reset my trajectory, so to speak. Sure. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, that was the beginning of the end of my career because first off they put a rod in my leg that was about a quarter of an inch too long <laughs> so i was walking unevenly for the first year so i fully rehabbed into this limping position until they realized that the rod was too long so then they had to go back in break the leg again irritate the thing put in the new rod that that fit properly and now to this day i still feel like my leg like the bottom half of my leg might be turned a little bit <laughs> you know just because i'm like i don't know it's a, for them to make such a grave error the first time i just i, I don't put anything past anything after that well, you look honestly. I didn't know that you couldn't tell out at the range when we were running. You looked, you weren't hobbling, or I didn't. At least I didn't. maybe next time if we're you come out, look, when you, you're gonna I'll be spinning my it. gait now. Like, and is he is he limping or is he cockeyed to the left a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Up? No, man. Um, yeah. So I I don't really have any any complaints about it. And the funny thing is, yeah. is I'm not 100 percent disabled. I'm not even close to 100. percent I'm like 40 percent disabled, right? And everyone tells me, man, you can go back and you can get more and this and that and the third. But there's so much that's not service connected to this. And and the fact that I did, I wasn't on a deployment. This was during PT. Like I was playing PT football and just sure. happened to pull a hamstring across the mid shaft, broke clean break, right? Wow. So at, at the end of the day, the thing that I'm thankful for is how it opened up my mind to to, to adjust my lifestyle and adjust my, what I thought were my life's plans at the time based on one scenario, now given another scenario. So it, it pushed me to go to college. It, it, it pushed me to, to study business more. Um, it, it pushed me to be hungry, to be humble enough to sit under someone else's tutelage if I wanted said information. Um, gotcha. so it was, it, it was a good learning experience. I, I mean, I, I've, I've done and worked with a lot of people in a lot of different industries. I consider myself a jack of all trades. Um, and I, I did all of that while I was still a, a federal civil service 
uh, worker. I was still a, a civilian Marine at the time. So I didn't okay. fully hang up the government until like 2017. And then I started working for a broadcast media company. And then from there, that's when I started to understand the media space better. I understood that it fit a lot of the attributes that I already had from college and the military and being a freelance entrepreneur on the side. I was able to leverage a lot of the different assets that I bring to the table at, at this media company. And just being there and growing in there, it just happens that while I made this transformation into the firearm space, I learned enough prior to that about media to know that there was a media opportunity here for us in the firearm space in order to, you know, send a certain message, tell certain stories. And that's what the premise of this all started as. Now, obviously, it started as me buying my first pistol and rifle in 2020, which a lot of other people are shocked about because coming from the military background, getting out of the Marine Corps in 2008, yes, it was 12 years later when I first purchased my first firearms. Wow. And part of that is probably also yeah. cultural being in where you're at. You know, you're near D.C., right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's not as much a part of the culture well, as like where Chris is in Kansas. Well, you know, but Frederick, Quantico's next to Fredericksburg. And I do remember we used to do a lot of training out of the Crucible and Dyncor. And actually, you know, that's where sniper school is. One of many sniper schools at Quantico. So I I could, I, you know, honestly, I could see that. You just, I, I'm, I'm not a big hunter or anything like that as well. And when I got out of the military, uh, you know, I didn't just go buy a gun mm -hmm. myself either. You just kind of get worried. There's other things on your mind. What, what, what that says to me and what your story is, is that you gave the proper response to how to handle the adversity. Mm -hmm. You just said, okay, well, this sucks. Well, I can sit here and cry about it, or I can figure out some way to better myself and continue on. And that's honestly, that's a great message to, to anyone that's going through adversity, not just youngsters, but anyone, because you handled it correctly. Yeah. I, you know, I, we, we do talk about faith here in God. And, and even though I cuss a lot on there, I, I have to pray for forgiveness every time I get off Listen, the podcast. I, I feel a little uncomfortable. And it's funny too, because, you know, Chris is, Chris, you're so humble, man. You're so respectful. Yeah. You're so nice, but you curse like a sailor. And so do I. I know. But the funny thing is, is when I get around you, sometimes I'll be wanting to hold back, but then I think, oh, no, this is Chris. This is Chris. Yeah, Chris, Chris man, what are you talking well, about? Oh, that's why I be you, me and Ian, are, we, that's why I was pushed Ian. Like, Ian, really, we are not in the political category. We're in the faith-based category. He goes, Chris, we cannot because you say fuck way too much. There's no it's way. It's not even – I don't think necessarily you do, but it's other people that we'll have on where it's just like – I mean, you can't – if we're trying to hit like the Joel Osteen yeah. Yeah, audience, I know, Joel right? Osteen. literally be like, what the fuck is this? Definitely, you know? definitely but, sending the wrong message 100%. So listen, I, think, I yeah. think you guys picked the right category for sure. Yeah, no, we're in we're in government, so it's not political. And we do talk, you know, military is a part of government. But actually, what you were saying that's a good transition into what Chris was asking uh, into like the birth of Guns Out TV and working in TV and, and that whole story. And and were you ever? Did you ever have any problems with when when the leg happened? Did you? Why are you doing this to me, uh, God? And and did you have a have a, a conflict of faith? I, I mean, I reason because I, I did when my when I shit blood out of my ass. Yeah. And I figured out I had Crohn's disease or also they didn't figure it out. And, and everything was going great in the military. I'd come back. I was an officer now. And then all of a sudden, like it was, I was like, what did I do to deserve this sitting in a hospital bed? There was a little bit of a, all right, God, what do I believe in God? I, a little doubt in faith. I, I'm not saying I didn't believe in God. It's just like, okay, is he really helping me? Or did you have that? And did you were able to handle any of that? Or did you just, continue on with your life and say, you know, this is just one of the path God's got me on. 
I'm just going to keep grinding. You know, that is such an interesting question, Chris. And it's interesting because I don't remember thinking that one time. And the reason I think the reason why I don't remember thinking that one time is because I have a tendency to live in the moment and coming from where I grew up and just not really having a, a, a wide experience level coming into young adulthood, all of these things, I, I looked at each and everything that came to me as an experience that I could okay. learn from, grow from, and and how am I going to you know, conquer this? How am I going to achieve this? You know, I love achievements. I love achievements. I, I love trophies. I love acknowledgement, all of those things. And so every time I'm given that opportunity to be in, be in position sure. to shine, to show my best, to show my grit, to show that even with the odds stacked against me, man, listen, I go for it. I go for it. I, I almost, I, it's almost like I welcome it because I, it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if the, any of you ever heard of Dragon Ball Z, but like this is one of the, oh yeah. Yeah. So like, it's like, it's like the Saiyans, man, like the Saiyans, you beat the living snot out of them and they love every moment of it because they know they're about to come back stronger. Yeah, that's kind of always really been my personality because I mean, listen, I was bullied in high school. I didn't really have a whole ton of friends that I left behind when I joined the military. So that was even more uh, of of just I don't know, man. Motivate. I mean, it's not like a motivation. Motivated the hell out of me, man. It's like it's like, man, get out here and just prove yourself to you. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to prove myself to me because because I couldn't tell what I was worth based on anyone else. Sure. And the funny thing is, is that you should never do that anyway. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So who gives a shit? Who, just, who cares, man? As long as you're doing you with the best intentions and you're not taking away from anyone else. I mean, listen, and then you go yeah. from that mentality to, you know, I want to be doing things that add value to other people. You, and then, then that's how you develop purpose. So I feel like it all, everything starts with inside. It starts within you. So I feel like just the whole, my whole intent of leaving the house at 16 years old, 17 years old, going into military, thrusting on myself out there on my own, getting as far as away from everything else that I knew. I think, I think that was a great start. And I, I entice people to do that. I mean, I encourage people to do that. Anybody that doesn't have a plan coming right out of high school, man, just join the military, join the military. <laughs> don't make a plan for you. Yeah. Don't make yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but just, but just keep your character. And that's what I always tell people. It's like, I, I adopt characteristics, but I never change my character. My character is who I am, all of these characteristics, all these things that I'm adopting from other people, they're tools in my tool belt that I can deploy as needed. But my foundation character is always the same. I'm going to be John from Guns Out. I'm going to be John the ex-Marine. I'm going to be John J. Sean's dad. I'm going to be John Dwight's son. I'm going to always be the same John. All of these guys, it's John. Yeah, that's, that's honestly, that's, that's, the, that's a great way of thinking of dealing and handling adversity. I know we get listeners, we have a bunch of listeners that, that go through adversity and just how do we handle how you just, you keep driving on and you use that as a motivating factor. And honestly, you have a good, if you ever wanted to be a speaker with the broken leg, (laughs) you have a great story. You have, I'm seriously, you have a great story. It's like, I just, it didn't bother me. I just kept like, screw it. Let's just keep pushing on. And that, that's amazing. And that's how everybody should think, whether you have faith or not, it's just, just keep grinding on and, and making know, myself better and not feeling sorry for yourself. And you know what? And, and now that I know that, <clears throat> that, that your listeners 
may may feel similar or have similar situations or might be able to actually relate. I, I, now that I'm thinking about it and, and you've jogged my memory, I remember I did break down. Okay, so so this is crazy. I didn't even tell you this part of the story. So when I broke my leg in half, my wife was pregnant with my son. Ooh. Wow. When I broke my leg and went into it, it was a horrifying experience for her. And by the time I got out of the hospital, she was being admitted into the hospital, giving mm. in labor three months wow. premature with my son. Wow. My son was born three months early, and we actually got medevac from Okinawa to Hawaii because of him. He had to go to the special NICU there because he was so premature. Wow. Um, but I remember that day that I came home from the hospital. And literally, I literally missed her. She was getting driven to the hospital by my cousin who was stationed uh, in Okinawa with me. And I got home to an empty house knowing she was pregnant. And then my brother helped me to my bed, I laid down in the bed. And when I laid in the bed and realized that I couldn't just get up and do what I needed, I couldn't just get up and go to the hospital and check on her. Yeah. I couldn't just get up and go to the bathroom for that matter. Like I needed assistance because my leg was in full traction and, and, and I had no, I mean, it was crazy. So I'm laying there in bed and I literally just broke down. I, I, this was the first time in my life that I felt like I couldn't do anything about all this stuff that's going on around me. I could just a feeling of helplessness more or less. Just helplessness. It was, and it was, it was absolute helplessness because there was nothing I could do, Chris. Like I, I would have had to been like on a thousand Percocet and had some crutches from hell or something or, or a motorized wheelchair just to get around because I could not move my leg at all. This, all of my right side was dead weight. Yeah. So yeah. that, that was the, that was the, the one tough point. Um, but luckily my brother called my dad, my dad got on the phone and he said, whatever my dad's, I don't even remember what my dad said to me at that moment, but my dad <laughs> said something to me and it snapped me back into, all right, man. All right. I, I got to start figuring out how to move this leg right now. But that's, <laughs> and that's, that's how, that's how we all go through that. Everybody has that breaking point at some point, some are more farther down the line than others. Mm -hmm. But what's awesome is that you got out of it. You didn't let it beat you up for months, years. And that's where that's when it becomes harder. It's that you just, all right, I'm in this hole. I'm getting my ass out of it now. And that's that's how adversity should be handled. That's a, well, And it made you wiser. And honestly, that's why nothing stops you now. You had that point. And I think everyone that's gone through adversity and then overcomes it, it makes them stronger because when they're hit with adversity again, they're like, I got this. I've been through I've been, this. Yeah, I, I already did. I, I'm good. Which is obviously why you're successful in what you're doing now. But and now I'm glad we got all that. I, that's I, the guns out because now you are six. You're extremely successful. I know you're successful just from just from being around you and sure Michael. Regardless of how you know how successful guns out is, which it is. Mm -hmm. You know that's a blessing. It's a cherry it, on it top. Absolutely is. You you guys are successful just because you're good people. And that's why I said, you know, you guys aren't, you guys aren't influencers, you're mentors and you guys are mentors in the true sense of the word to the gun community and to just the community in general and guns out TV is a big part of that. So yeah, yeah I appreciate talk, you talk acknowledging that. I really do. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you acknowledging that. And, um, you know, on behalf of both me and Sir Michael, we, we both thank you for that. And I agree with you, Chris, I do agree that, um, in success in large part is from people who are doing the right things for the right reasons. And it's just very interesting. You have to know when it's time to go. You have to know when it's time to, yeah. to press go on something. And it's funny because guns out, like on the back of our shirts, it says go, guns out. Yep. So that's that's what guns out is. It was like, all right, 2008, get out of the Marine Corps. 
it's not until 2020. I'm, I'm literally, uh, it's 2020. I am pressure washing epoxy off of my garage floor while New York is burning because of protest. And, oh, and I'm just thinking to myself, all of these other things happened before that. I won't, I won't even bring these instances up, but you, everyone knows what was going on at that time. Yeah. Coronavirus yeah. thrown on top as a cherry, right? And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I've never seen this before. I've seen a lot of stuff. We've seen a lot of stuff over the years, Chris. And you've been, you've seen even more than me. <laughs> but this, you can't, you can't say that this didn't look different in that moment in time. The the morale the morality of why it was happening was way different. Not to and believe me, CIA is probably one of the most immoral organizations <laughs> in the world. But there, but there is there was a like a country morality issue. Where it's like, oh, wait a second, this right, is, right. This it was is, a moment. This. It was a moment of, in my opinion, absolute uncertainty. I feel like there was a moment in there yeah. where everyone was absolutely uncertain as to where this is going to go. Now, and and here's the crazy thing. I mean, and I, I'm fairly certain. You thought of it, and, and and I'm sure it was a concern of yours too, Chris, being the things that you've been through in your service years, is that if we look this way to, to us right now, what yeah. do we look like to other people who are, their sole mission is to organize against us? Where we, honestly, we talked about it on the podcast. We are vulnerable, yeah. right? We have said... I, I, we had that little conversation. I know multiple times we are vulnerable right now. Right. We are. Yeah. We, I you know what I'm thinking of actually is it was pre 2020, but we had Corey Alanis on who, you know, works in Intel and hacking and all that stuff. And he spoke about it. I mean, it's well known, like Russia was buying both Trump ads and black lives matter. Yeah. Ads. yeah. Why did they believe in those causes? No, they no. wanted to cause division. And I think yeah. that that was definitely used as a to an advantage. Let's cause as much division amongst people as possible. And we were all at each other's throats during that time. And, and honestly, that is what we did. And I said this so many times, that is what we did to other countries when we were going there to destabilize them before we'd go in and overrun, overrun, take over, fight war, whatever. I was like, man, we're doing the same shit that we did to the Iraqis, to eh, Afghanistan. You kind of had it coming. How's it know Osama bin Laden? I'm not going to knock Afghanistan. Yeah, but yeah. Yemen, uh, you know, I was like, man, we're doing exactly the same stuff that we did to other countries before before we came in and just either ISR'd the shit out of them or bombed them or came in with troops. Mm -hmm. And that's what I saw. No, you're right. And we were at each other's throats. And I was like, man, is this orchestrated by the old people I used to work for, because it sure looks familiar. Bro, yeah, this like, right? looks familiar. So, and and, yeah. and 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 so that's the crazy part. I have far less experience in that department than you, far less. But in that moment, I was even concerned, right? But you saw it, yeah. And in knowing that, and in knowing that this is due to civil unrest on our soil, I'm like, you know what? I, I just I need to make certain that if this starts to multiply. And starts to you know pop up, and it felt like that's what it was doing. It felt like it was getting closer and closer to home every single time. And then bam, January sixth happened. And it's just like you know, so it's like all of this is just so crazy. But I'm just saying, like that's that's what I felt in 2020. I felt like it was getting too close to home. So with that being said, I literally made it to the last gun show before the full lockdown of coronavirus. The last <laughs> gun show in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I bought a Glock 19X and a Smith and Wesson M&P Sport. And uh, not nice, nice little guy. I mean, I just I went I wanted to be complete. I wanted to make sure that I could have something with me and have something for the house. Right. You got, you, so, got you. So I needed to get a load out. 
Okay, I played enough Call of Duty to know that's what it's called. It's called the <laughs> so, so I got the loadout, man. And when I tell you what happened next was just unreal. I remembered myself as a kid always collecting these little cap guns and these military guns yeah. and all these little, little spy gadgets. And I would, on like Friday nights, me and my brother would put them all in duffel bags and we'd go on little missions and do little <laughs> cornball stuff like that. And I just, and, and then I remember like growing up, my one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite movie scenes of all time that I literally just looked up about a month ago because I just wanted to see that one scene was Arnold Schwarzenegger in Raw. Was it Raw or Raw yeah. Deal? Raw Deal? Raw Deal. When he was putting all the guns in the bag, <laughs> putting all the guns in the bag, oh, man. I was like, he got all the guns in the bag. Man. I haven't seen that. that Man, I, if you, look, yeah. anybody, anybody wow. just wants to see a, a good putting guns in the bag scene. <laughs> <laughs> you go and you uh, go to YouTube and look up Arnold Schwarzenegger raw deal. And the raw scene deal. after that is crazy because he puts all the bag of guns in the car and then he shoots out the windshield, kicks the windshield off as he's driving. He's he's drifting around a, 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 a dump and he's shooting people out of cranes and he's it's the <laughs> wildest thing you ever see in your life but man it was just so cool and i just remember that as a kid i was like man that is so cool so so having my little load out here my precious <laughs> now i have my precious and so i was like all right i got to get a case all right <laughs> so then i get a case and then i start getting stuff and the guns and stuff happen next thing you know I had an, I had an AR pistol. I had a full size AR. I had a bullpup shotgun. I had two pistols, and then wifey bought me a staccato for my birthday, and that was all she wrote. Wow! So it's all downhill from there. It was all yeah, downhill all, from there, and, or uphill, whatever you want to look at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Either way, either way, I was down. I was I was into it. So, um, so yeah, and 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 so then what came next? I had all these guns, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm I need to go shoot these guns. So then yeah. a, a, a friend of mine, well, actually <clears throat> our, our mentor, Sir Michael and our mentor had an associate that had a huge piece of property out in Virginia somewhere far from here. Man, we would load up and drive an hour and a half to that property every, I would do it every weekend if he let me. I, I, I had wow. to let him know. I had to let him, I had to preface him and say, sir, I just want you to know I'll be here every weekend you let me. Okay. I just, I just, I, I want you to, I'm saying that. So that if that's not what you want, tell me that now, <laughs> because in my mind, I'm about to be here every weekend to shoot my guns. And then he was like, oh, yeah, well, OK, so, John, yeah, we'll do maybe like twice a month. <laughs> so, so, but once I got the OK and once I knew it was twice a month, I was like, bet. So then I'll go to Home Depot. I bought plywood. I bought two by fours. I bought some drills. I bought some zip ties. And we built a range out there on oh, the awesome. property. And that's awesome. And he was kind enough to let us shoot, man. Next thing you know, he started bringing people. When he knew we were coming, he would bring people by. And I, I wish I could say some of the names of some of these people because you'd be like, wow. But Because I was like, wow. Okay, okay, you a gun person? Okay, you know. So, but it, but it was just, to say the least, it was just so interesting how this new world had opened up. And my wife and my son and my friends and my coworkers, everybody's fascinated at my fascination. And next thing you know, we're all there on the weekends, you know, and, and, and even when it's cold, we bought little, we bought like little propane heaters out there. I mean, it was ridiculous. So it had gotten to a point where, uh, my wife was like, you know, 
you need to film this because this was remarkable. I cannot believe that you bought so many guns in such a short period of time and you went and built a range. You don't know how to build a range, but you built a range. It was a, it was a legit range, Chris. It was 100 yards of uh, paper targets, uh, 25 yards a piece. And then we had wow. steel on all the trees. We had, a, I mean, we it was set up. It was set up. Wow. And uh, so I told her, I was like, if you come to the range, because I was trying to get her to come to the range. I was like, if you come to the range and film it, I'll consider that. Like, let's just let's give it a shot. I'm, I, I don't mind. I don't mind. So she came and she agreed to film it and we filmed it. And I was just, I was amazed at what I was seeing. I was like, wow, that's, you know, from, from the perspective of somebody that like it, when I'm in the moment, I, I don't, I don't think about what it looks like. I'm in the moment I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. 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 But then yeah. looking back at it, I'm like, wow, that is interesting. And like, wow, that does look interesting. So we edited it all up and, and we loved what we had. And so we showed it to Shermichael. And I was like, I was like, Sherm, you think this I could do do this on YouTube? He was like, Oh yeah, man, this is this is YouTube ready right now. I was like, Oh wow, okay. Cool. And, and he was working in TV at the time, right? Yeah. So yeah, Sherm Michael, um, he's been I don't know how long he's been in TV. I know he's been in politics forever. Um, that's like the foundation of his career. Um, and and then and then I don't I don't necessarily know when the media started, but then when the media started with him, it looks like it just skyrocketed. He was on. He's been on every you know, news platform that uses letters. He's been on those, he's been on all of those, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, uh, so yeah. And giving it to him and giving, getting the thumbs up from him because, you know, I know Shermichael is a very matter of fact person. He tells you like it is, he's not going to waste your time. And so he was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, so then I played around with the idea a little bit more after that. And I was like, Sharon, why don't you do this with me, man? And, and then it was because I, I knew that I wanted to give it more substance than just going to the range and shooting. Sure. Right. Sure, I wanted yeah, to give it more yeah. substance. And I just knew that I, you know, I look at Shermichael as Mr. Substance, sometimes over substantive. you right. And so, <laughs> so I just, I, we talked about it and then, and then he really made me understand the stigma of people, anti-gunners and how people yeah. felt about the firearms community. Because for me, I, I, I'm the worst, I'm the worst person. I can't, I don't see that stuff. I really don't. I let people be who they are. I accept people. I meet people where they are. As long as you're not treading on me, like they say, you're not treading on me. We have no, no yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. none whatsoever. Right. So, so with that being said, I was totally aloof to that whole, to, to all of what was that risk in two a, I, I, I had no idea. So Sherm kind of educated me on that. And then I started doing my own research and I started seeing the examples and seeing what the big deal was about how how rights are being infringed upon and and how people aren't yeah you know being uh demonized you just out there with this kid i'm watching oh no no worries. <laughs> yeah um people being demonized because they own guns and I, I just thought it was the most preposterous thing that i've ever witnessed because i know i'm out there with my family and i'm seeing people literally my range buddy group grows by two people every time i go back to the range because people are talking people are wanting to bring other people so i'm like what, what, what are they talking about over here i don't even understand what's that noise right so then when i was made aware of it i was like sure this is this is our opportunity because i haven't experienced that what they're talking about and i don't understand how somebody being proficient and responsible and safe with a firearm to defend themselves or their family and having that peace of mind i don't see remotely how that could be a bad thing and it's, it's, but that that's perfect because you're just doing it why we do it we do it because we enjoy it no yeah we want to protect ourselves right of course we do we, but that's i think that's the left and, and and where they come from is they think that that's what we're doing and we're a bunch of a bunch of hayseeds out here running around with no wine or wind just want to shoot everything up no 
we're actually enjoying this is fun you just it's a gathering we come we hang out together yeah. we're outside together yeah. we're enjoying it we're, we're we're laughing we're it's it's building confidence it's building camaraderie it's mm -hmm. building partnerships and they don't see that no. that's why I, I know i interrupt you because no. i'm sorry about that but you because you came in without really knowing knowing it which is a great thing no, it is. and not knowing that the two you, you're doing it and that's why we do it mm -hmm. that's not it's not the political reason ah we we do it because like today two hours out there at the range myself i'm lucky i don't have to drive an hour and a half i can just go down the road right. and run but i'm out there running and pt and doing pull-ups and then shooting and being outside because it's enjoyable. Yeah. I, and I, no, I keep going. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just, yeah. I just really, no, this is all you, good, man. you did it. You, you're doing it. And what you just said really sums up why responsible gun owners shoot what, how you built it up. And, and now you've taken it to the next level, of course, but yeah, I probably, I, I know. Keep, keep, keep going. Keep going. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but no, going, that's, it's, it's good. I, I love the feedback, Chris. And, and so, so my biggest thing, when we started guns out was I instantly at that point, understanding what was at stake, what the argument was about, who the people involved are, et cetera, et cetera. I realized that I was in a category that's very important to this entire fight. And that's the category of the indifferent. So coming out of the military, I have experience with firearms. I know what firearms do. I was going to be, I was literally going to be a trained yeah. military killer. I was, I was you're literally going to be a state, you're going to be a state platoon, dude. You're right. Gonna I was going to be that guy. So, so I know yeah. it does. So given that context of, of, of my experience with firearms and I get out of the Marine Corps, that doesn't really fit with where I'm going. This doesn't really fit. Right. So I'm like, you know, one of these things don't belong. So we'll leave that over here. So I, 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 I and it, because I looked at myself, like, like I, I'm not looking, I'm not looking for any type of altercations you know I'm not, I, mm -hmm. and and I didn't I just didn't trust my own individual handling skills of and, and the responsibility that goes with owning a firearm because what, sure. what people what people really fail to realize is that when you go to the military yeah you learn how to shoot guns but it's very basic and rudimentary at best as as a basic infantry yep. or a basic yep. 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 marine army person whatever you want to call it right it's very, it's, it's very simple. It's very static. It's nothing over complex and it's an ushered experience. You are picked up and you are brought to the armory where your gun lives and you check the gun out and you get on a bus with a whole bunch of other people and you get off the bus with those same people and you get in the line with those people and you are told every time when to pull that trigger for the most part, that's what military basic military shooting is. Okay. So it's not something where I just felt comfortable with you know, coming home with a gun and a rifle and a pistol. I just didn't feel comfortable with it. I didn't feel like I could shoot them. Yes. Do I want to own them? Probably not right now. I'm good. <laughs> so <laughs> I took the time that I needed. And I guess the, I, I waited for the moment that I guess it was, is a necessity because I trusted my fundamentals enough. The fundamentals that I learned in the military, which they're solid fundamentals. And, and, and by the way, I just want to make sure I didn't offend anybody when I said that the, the, the shooting red, the shooting curriculum is basic. But in the context of what we're talking about, Chris, it is. No, it is. And I, I've been basic and I've been in the special operations. Area. Yes, there is a level. That, oh, no, there's a lot of then, levels. All of them, yeah, all of them between just, that. <laughs> right. so, no, you're, you're not. You're, but you're not right. We, there isn't a, 
an ownership of guns. We don't take our guns home with us. Right. They go to the armory. And no, I no, I you you said it exactly right. And if you offended somebody out there, get over it. They'll get over it. <laughs> if not, they can yell at me. They can right, yell at right, me for right. telling yeah, them to get they, over. They're not about to yell at you, Chris. So we all know that. So anyway, <laughs> um, nah, seriously though, um, so. Because of it being an extra space, that's why I just did not rush to get it. It became a necessity, and I, I trusted my fundamentals enough to know that I could handle myself accordingly. And But the moment I got it, that's when I went back out to the range, and I put my fundamentals to the test. And Were you learning from somebody, or were you learning from yourself? Or no, you learning I, I, was, from- I was literally just, honestly, <laughs> it's so funny, because I was literally kind of self-teaching myself how to do certain things. Like, I had to relearn how to mount an AR, because, because when you're shooting for marksmanship— you're not shooting in a combat stance for the most part. You're no. shooting however you need to hit that target to qualify, right? So shooting in like support and support and stance. Support most hand, time hand, all these yeah, different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I had to learn how to mount an AR in a defensive situation. And the funny thing is, is the first video I watched was John Lovell, how to, I think he said, how to shoot an AR-15 or something like that. And it was funny because the video opens, John Lovell's turned around and then he hits the timer and he, tur- and he turns around and mounts the AR and five shots and all on target. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> so so then I got out there and I started trying stuff and my wife she, she always would say she would say you want to move and shoot don't you <laughs> because I would always be like either sitting and shooting my AR standing and shooting kneeling and shooting prone and shooting I would never like move with the gun in my hand and I was like I was like is it that obvious <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I started to seek training and literally Right when I got to the point where I knew I wanted to start taking training was right at the same point where the guns out opportunity became a thing. So then we found added value to, okay, let's do this training on camera. Let's do the training on camera in your novice state to kind of show people. And now people can come with you and come with us on this journey of learning how to be a responsible gun owner and a trained shooter. So th- was this a network that wanted to work with you prior to you putting it on YouTube? How did that all work out? So, um, so I, again, I work for a broadcast media company. My boss owns television stations across the country and his own television show. Um, he actually came out to the range as a part of his show with us. And I, I'm sure it was just to see, see what all the hype was about because he heard all the rumblings of us doing videos together and stuff like that. So, so, we so went, you were on YouTube at the time. Um, I think we had one episode on YouTube at the time. Okay. Yeah, we had like one episode. Is a Saturday shooter. So actually, like any, everything before episode one, you see it'll say "Guns Out" episode one, the Machine Gun Nest. That was the first four TV episode. Every okay. the, the two or three before that were Saturday shooters, and that was literally me and Shermichael going to the range filming with our phones. Okay. So All we right. got on when we got on TV. My my boss, our mentor, obviously. I mean, he owns television stations. He can create and play shows. You know, there was opportunity <laughs> there. So we got a time slot, and the rest is history, man. Like once we got that time slot, we we were calling around telling people, "Hey, we're a show on TV. We want to shoot guns at your range and put it on TV." They're like, <gasps> "Everybody's like, what? on TV? Wait, you said on you you meant YouTube, right?" I was like, "No, this is for TV." And at that point, it was like, yeah, we were. everyone wanted to open the doors. So we leveraged that. We leveraged that to go in and, and be able to showcase ranges and range culture and the different types of ranges. And then that grew to showcasing experiences and people and reviewing guns. And then, you know, the rest is history, man. We just took the ball and ran with it. How did your now, now you're still uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're still married, right? You're still married, kids, or are you are you I, I don't I'm honest, brother. I've never asked and the reason I'm asking is 
is how did that go with all this going on? You know, the Marine Corps, she's dealing with that. Now this is going crazy and blowing up. How was the family? Was was she supportive of it? Obviously she was filming out there with you, but when it started to blow up, how did, did, were you able to maintain that continuity at home and and were, or did it, did it, did it, or were you having to figure out, okay, wait, this is different now. Um, How do I maintain this relationship at home and still be a father and still be a husband? So between the military and other business experiences and opportunities I had between the military and guns out, that was already, it's it's kind of already understood that I'm going to do what I need to do and take care of the things I need to take care of. And Roland is ever supportive of me. Like that's all she is uh, my absolute backbone. She stands behind me and almost everything that I do. Um, you know, granted, I think that I've shown her that I have perseverance and I won't quit. So it's not like one of those things where things are fads for me. I don't really do fads. Yeah. I, I, I will literally procrastinate on something long enough to get the full idea before I even pull the trigger the first time, because I don't like to start something and stop something and start something and be like, Oh, I didn't think of that. I like to have a good framework in place before I act on something because I know I'm going to want to take it to that level immediately. Yeah. Which could I just jump in there and say too many people do do that. I mean, how many people start YouTube channels, Mm -hmm. start podcasts. We see it all the time. And after a few months, they're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, it it, it takes a lot of perseverance to just keep going with this Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And is she an avid shooter too? Does she shoot? She she has her own staccato C. Look out for the YouTube. I'm going to post a range day video um where we were at the range recently and she was shooting her staccato c and she emptied the full mag on steel on target at 15 yards and she literally wow. said i feel like i'm cheating <laughs> <laughs> i was like not- she she, wow. she thinks that shooting a red dot is cheating i was like it's not cheating it's no it's- no no red, <laughs> don't uh, that old school way of thinking no 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 yeah. I, take it from a 50 year old man remember i told you out there, we're out at the at a copper ticket days and i i shot sure michaels and mm-hmm. i'm like guys i really need to get this done because my eyes suck now and it's yeah. hard to know there's no cheating shoot that dang red oh i'm just telling you man i'm telling you she shoot a little one it's like a romeo zero it's like a small window i look i tried to put i tried to put a delta point pro on that thing i was like man put a put a dpp on there girl get that window nice and big so you can see <laughs> what she was like she was like it's just it's still a window so it's like all right whatever all right fine. i don't have to spend, i don't have to spend that money <laughs> Bro, you can't put that up. Might as well, why don't you just put an EOTech on that little ass? Seat? Oh, stop. Yeah, that whatever. The slide is the same. The slide on the C2 is the same as the slide on the on the C and the P. So it's all is about it the right? same. The P is a little longer, but it's the same width of slides. The, okay, all right, all right. I know. I mean, I got my little staccato seat. I love that thing. That what, what, thing is you just... have the Romeo on yours, or is it iron? No, it's not, it's iron. I, I got to get it milled out. I got it. Oh. I, was it whatever gen? The first, it's it's old. This was it first gen, and I forget. But no, I'll go get it milled out. I'm I'm working on it, man. I'm you know just what? too lazy you know to what? take you, it down you, to you, the you, you you hold off on that, Chris, because we, we know some people, all right? We know and, some people. And, 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 I, and I'll be honest with you. I feel like when I tell them, hey, Chris has a C2. You have a C2, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to be like, Chris has a C2. Chris Peranto, by the way, has a C2 <laughs> that he's about to mill the slide to put an optic I, on. I'm going to have to. Don't you want to just send him an optic ready one? I would think they probably would, but you never, you know, it's, I, I piss okay. off a lot it's of people. Okay. I already have the argument formulated in my head. We're going to Staccato next week, Chris. I'll, I'll keep you posted. Good. That's why, That's like right. you said, you take things all the way, 110% <laughs> till the end. So, but, but you know me, brother. It's like I told you, man, what I'm, I'm happy. I'm blessed with whatever, whatever comes my way and whatever doesn't. But that's why you I'm keep blessed with blessed, that Chris. too. That's why you keep getting blessed, bro. 
Uh, thanks, Brett. Thank hey, you. hey, Chris, you got it. You got to leave at the top of the hour, right? Because I think you have a call. Uh, I, do I have a call today? I, b- I believe so. <laughs> when I was looking at the calendar, because I just want to make sure that we're on. Oh, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. I, I don't, don't have to go. Okay. To, oh, no, that's. Well, I, that's, I, I, that's did have, I, no, I, I don't know if you have any other stuff. I, I do have one other big question. And, and I mean, we could go hours. I, I oh, do know. Sure. But one thing I, I was wondering is one of our guests that we had on, who I know was like an early supporter of yours, and we only had him on one time was John Bartolo. Oh, who, yeah, who, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we lost John Bartolo, and, and we didn't really get to know him that well. I mean, we had a great episode with him, but I know he was, like, super supportive of you he guys. Was. What was your he experience really with was. him? Because yeah. I know he's greatly missed in the firearms. Yes, community. yes. Man, man, that's crazy. You literally just you literally just made me reflect on, on, on that. And and that's yeah. I mean, it, you know, I know, I know he was a big supporter. I mean, I watch your man. stuff, so so wow. Um, you know that I'm gonna be honest with you. The fact that he supported us so much was strange to me. Like huh. I, I I didn't even know, I didn't know how to receive it at first, because because I just didn't understand. We were so early, I, and, and that's the thing. I think. When you say he was an early supporter of us, he was an early supporter of us. We weren't but three episodes in on TV. And two of them hadn't even aired yet because they were still in the can. And we were already traveling to Vegas and doing things. And he had us on his, on his show. So we only had one episode aired on TV. So it's like, and, and after I got to know John, I, I understood that he's a man that understands framework he understands vision and he sees he sees the value of something for exactly what it is and he felt he articulated to us that he felt like what we were doing was missing and what we were doing was so different that it's going to make other people want to do it and that we should without question be unwavering in our pursuit to continue doing this just the way we're doing it and and that was his message hundred percent of the time, don't change your guys's DNA. Keep doing what you're doing it the way that you're doing it. And the and the reason why it's so hard for me to understand is because it was almost as if he saw all the things we were getting ready to do. Because remember, we were only three episodes in, one of which had aired on TV. Huh. So yeah. for him to have that level of belief was it was humbling. It was it was an honor. And I, you know, I think it subconsciously motivated both me and Shermichael. And then, you know, so that Vegas trip for us, that was, like I said, we were three episodes in. So then the Vegas stuff and the Vegas experience, it was so amazing that we actually like pushed episodes in front of it because it was like, things were going to be so epic in Vegas. We can't air that yet. We got other little stuff to do first. So let's go do that (laughs) stuff and then show the Vegas stuff. But, but yeah, man, John Bartolo, as a human being for us was an experience just like I had never met a guy that really talked like him. I had never met a guy that was, you know, sure. Michael is Frank. Uh, yeah. John Bartolo was Frank, Frank. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, the episode with us, Chris, I, I feel like he talked shit about like a dozen oh, people during God. the episode. Me and Chris are just like sitting back and he's like, yeah. fucking NRA. All they care about is having Ted Nugent. Like it was just like going off on everybody. We were, and Chris and I are just like, wow. All right. This is it's, but, it's entertaining, but he's, he's, yeah, he's <clears> totally like 
a Boston guy who spoke his mind. Yeah, man. Didn't give a yeah, fuck yeah. It was it was an experience. That that was, that was another like he's he's one of those people that you won't ever forget, especially at the level of which that we knew him. Like you know, we texted, we talked on the phone, and and that was the other thing. You know, John was a very everyone knew John was super busy, had his hands in all kinds of stuff, right? And he would literally pick up the phone if I called him. I remember he was at a, I think he was at a hockey game or something, and he literally called, like I called him, he picked up the phone and said. John, this game is about to be over in 45 seconds. I will call you in a minute and 45 seconds because it's going to take me a minute to get out of this booth. I was like, all right, fine, all right, cool, cool. And so, and, and then he called me back in like two minutes. And for somebody of, of, of his tenure in the firearm space and as busy as he was and moving and shaking with all these different people and things, for him to pick up the phone when me or Shermichael called, I mean, it was just, again, it, it affirmed what he said in the beginning that I didn't understand and then made me understand. And I was like, it, that, that was like, I don't know. It was, it was a very meaningful affirmation because it came later. It came Absolutely. after the, the affirmation clicked for me after more of the work had been done. And I was like, Oh wow. He was right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, it was just cool, man. And, and yeah, man, rest in peace, John Bartolo, man, God bless him and his family, his, his child. And uh, yeah, yeah, man, just all, all blessings to him and his family. You, you know, one thing you didn't say out of there, and this is what I took for, this is all, and this is kind of, it's it's odd in the gun community because there's so much dang competition and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I, that's why I thought the copper ticket thing was so good. We just came and really, yeah, that's how it should fun. have been. This should the gun community come together. You never mentioned one time that you thought he had any, any nefarious actions or wanted anything from you, but to help you. And that's a good thing yeah. because you never, I didn't, and that's what, honestly, that's, that's what I was hoping to not hear. I didn't want to hear that. Dude, he had some dude. ulterior motive. And so here's the thing, you know, like I know there's people within the firearm space. People feel in some people feel different about John. Right. And, and, and that's a proof. John even knew that. Right. And again, your <clears throat> problems with John aren't my problems with John. And if I don't have problems with John, I'm not going to adopt your problems with John because they're not yeah. my problems with John. They're yours. <laughs> Right. Which is such a good philosophy to have, man. I mean, I was just on the phone, believe it or not, with Gary Brugman like a week ago. And he was talking about how um, I don't know if I should say, but a member of like a famous band had a problem with Gary Brugman. And Gary was like, dude, what's the deal? And, and, And he said, well, I don't like this guy who you're friends with. So I couldn't talk to you anymore. And Gary's like, that has nothing to do with me, man. Yeah. So I think that's always the best philosophy. I mean, I always have my friends back if they're, you know, in the right on something. But if you know, there, there's, there's people I like that Chris doesn't like, right? And okay. and vice, I mean, vice versa. And there's people out there that don't like me. And that's just how it yeah. is. It, but because we're all our same. But I, I just loved hearing that from you because and loved hearing that from from how John was with you, because that's how it should be. That's how I just we're all we're here to help each other. And he helped you. And he and he I but I know you had that spidey sense in the beginning. Way and we do that too. I do that too. He's helping me too much. Mm-hmm, what does mm-hmm. he want out of this, man? Mm-hmm. And, but then you get down the line and you realize that he didn't want anything, but just man. to be a good, a, a good mentor, a mentor that you're I'm, taking it down the line as well. You're sharing that. That's exactly what he was. And, and, you know, listen, I can't say that his relationship was like that with everybody, but I can absolutely say it was like that with me. and Shermichael. That's awesome. I can absolutely say awesome. that the man always had advice. He always had feedback and all he wanted us to do was to get further faster to be honest <laughs> he wanted us to get further faster and awesome. I, it never not once had an ask not once not one thing and i and that, yeah testament to him for that and 
And I, I you know, look, and to be honest, I don't even care if, if we were his mercy mission. If we were his mercy, his one mercy mission, <laughs> who cares? I'm humbled and happy to be that because, it's, it's, you know, that's, that, awesome. that's a, people really try to act like they may not care about what other people think or things like that. But when you're passionate about something and you get affirmation, it's a boost. I don't care. Like, you know, negativity is a boost too. It's, it's a, it's a different type of boost, but that affirmation though, it, I feel like that grows legs, grows roots. It can go deep and it can give you that staying power. Right. Yeah. Because, because negative stuff, you know, you're going to, you, as soon as you prove your point, you're on to the next thing. Right. But those affirmations you remember and you take with you through tough times, you take with you when you're trying to to grow something. And like, like I said, it's the roots. Right. And it's and it's it allows you positivity. So when you're talking about it like you are now, you're not talking about the person that screwed you over and I had to prove them wrong. You're saying, hey, this is what worked for me and this made me feel good. Let me let's 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 take it to you. This is this is what is going to help you become a better person down the line. Both can help you grow. But man. This is going to help you grow and make you a better person in the long run. And it's going to drive people to, to, to want to be a better people because it, it's not based out of negativity. And that's what I love. I love seeing that, man. You know, I, I think over the last five years, I've had a really, a really evolved state of mind and realized how important mindset actually is. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I there's a lot of, my core mindset that I just didn't realize how valuable that way of thinking was at the time, but can look back and be like, man, I'm so glad that I adopted that discipline, man. I'm so glad that I gave that a shot. I'm so glad I did that for free and learned how to do that. Like all of those things, right. It, it, it all comes together and I feel so capable and, 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 and man, you know, I have to say this specifically about firearms because that's my most recent capability. So I'm actually, I'm so proud of that. You know, I, I give props to my videographer. My videographer messed up when he told me, he was like, because he knew how green I was as it pertained to all of the different things within the firearm space, um, specifically training. And he was like, John, running guns is something you can close the, the learning curve on really, really fast. You can close if you dedicate the time and you put in the work, you can close the learning curve on that really, really fast. And that's all I needed to hear. So so then I, I mean, and, and so I just want to make sure for the audience too, or anybody that's listening, I, I just want to make sure that they know, like when I bought my first pistol and rifle in 2020, I didn't conceal carry. I didn't I didn't carry my Glock 19X with me anywhere until I took a CCW class. Sure. Um, I, I got, and then once I took the CCW class and, I'm, and the funny thing is I didn't even realize I didn't need it in the state of Virginia because I was, I'm a veteran. So I'm like, yeah, I could just go get, but I didn't feel comfortable. So I took a CCW class and then I got the Virginia CCW. And then I was like, you know what? I work in DC, so I'm gonna get the, the DC CCW. So I got that. So I can also conceal carry in DC. And when I started conceal carrying, I realized that my whole demeanor calmed down a lot. It calmed down a lot because now I feel like I'm ready for what I didn't even know I wasn't ready for before, you know, because. But you're not, but you're not looking for the fight. You're without just question, more confident. Without question, not right. looking for it. I wasn't looking for it before. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it also had me oblivious that the fight could come yeah. to me. Right. I, I was, I was, I was in a, a comfort zone that all of these different instances over the years have shown that 
that's not a place you want to get so comfortable in, right? Yeah. You yeah. want to you want to have that capability to defend yourself or defend others. And yes. once I started concealed carrying, it just changed my whole perspective on being a gun owner and that res- and the responsibility that comes along with that. It really did I, because I because I did feel more capable, but then I felt like okay, I do feel capable. I am I am available if needed to defend however how good am i did, did you, i was going to say so did you and i i, I got two more questions yeah, and then we're gonna I, let you i do have to get going I do have to get, <laughs> yeah i, I no, really I, do I, but I, I do want to get these in because this okay. is important first first one that's where i thought i i know you're going that route and that's why i want you now you're carrying concealed there's a difference between just carrying concealed and being and knowing how to have be a defensive concealed yeah shooter yeah or a dc mm-hmm. there's and you have to train for that mm-hmm. and i guess just quickly if mm-hmm. you can yeah. what, what what do you recommend to people that are concealed now do you obviously you're going to say yes the training to put the training in to learn how to draw and defend yourself from a concealed position yeah how I, important pers- was that? personally i'm gonna be honest with you personally i would say don't carry concealed until you get at least baseline fundamental training and you gotcha. have good yeah. gear and you have good yep. gear. Have good gear because I personally feel like gear failures in a concealed carry situation is <laughs> not what you want. Okay, seen it. And, and, I've seen and, it, man. Yeah, and there's so many different choices to make. So yeah, you you have to in in my mind, if you're trying to carry concealed, do your research. Know what type of holsters you need to get based on the type of clothes that you wear, based on your body size. Make sure you have a good CCW, a good, a good carry gun. Make sure you got the right type of carry gun that you can also conceal and it will stay concealed. Like, you know, all of these different things, you got to put that into the equation of being a concealed carrying citizen. So, so yeah, definitely training without question and definitely make sure you got the right gear. And then also we, we don't do a lot. We don't scare people. I don't even watch the news, brother. Sorry. Tell Michael. Sorry. I don't even want, I watch. Oh no, you you and me both. So, but, but, um, and I don't think people need to be all panicky with the Second Amendment and all that. But can you give your opinion on what's going on? Quickly, dude, because I, I, I really have to go. Okay, yeah, quick. Just on just on the Second Amendment and just calm people down is what I'm trying really? to help. No, and absolutely. Can you do I, I, I'm just telling people, listen, you got to get out there and you have to do your own research. You have to look. There's so many channels out there, so many content creators that are sending positive messages, uh, get, lending their experiences, ex-military personnel, veterans, law enforcement. There's so many people out here that care, that want to teach you and want you to learn. So don't be afraid to ask those questions. Ask tough questions too. Ask really tough questions because yeah. we're here to answer it. That's just what it is. We're not running away from that whatsoever and we're not combative we want to share the information <laughs> that's right. awesome man awesome. yeah i i have uh i thought we we're ending at exactly five so i just hate so, i'm sorry i'm good. sorry not, but but I, no I, this sorry, has bro. been a great episode we could easily go another hour we will do another one with you and sure so follow john personally on instagram at mr jk's on Twitter at Mr. Keys underscore, and then gunsouttv.com has yeah. links to all the social media and, of course, the YouTube. And as I said earlier, man, the thing that for people unfamiliar, the production value is out of this world. So people Thank really you. need Thank to check out Good what job. you're doing. And, and thanks for being so candid with us. You know, Chris and I know there's some yeah. people who come on and, and they feel like they have a script of what they have to talk about. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I love that you you got really deep with yeah. it. Yeah, thank you. No, thanks, I, I that, appreciate that means you, John. It's been a great conversation. I'll, I'll be back on any time. Thanks. Thanks, John. I appreciate it.
That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.